Hi, I'm Taylor Kurtz, and this is SEO in 2023. Taylor, what is your number one SEO tip for 2023? My number one SEO tip, uh, I'll give you a freebie. It's kind of a twofold. One, I really want to emphasize the core vitals and performance of your website. I think that that, while it has recently become a primary ranking factor in the last year or two, if you analyze your competitors, it's very often neglected. And that, you know, it has been stated by Google that that is actually a primary ranking factor, not necessarily a tiebreaker. So I think that that's a very easy win uh, against your competitors. But more importantly, you know, when it comes to these core vitals, of which I'm talking about are the largest contentful paint, first input delay, and content layout shift, I think that those are things with certain tools you can pretty easily get in compliance with Google. And when they're telling you, you know, hey, here's what we want, you might as well you know, appease the few things they do tell us about. So I think that focusing on your, your core vitals and the performance of your website, ensuring it's a good user experience is uh, one of the number one tips, if not the number one tip, because while everyone talks about backlinks, content, all of that's important, but at the end of the day, it all is a contribution to what Google really wants, which is a website provides the most valuable information and the best user experience. So I think that's a real easy win. So let's emphasize from your perspective, um, what are the important elements within Core Web Vitals? So maybe starting off with uh, largest content for, uh, contentful paint. So um, sure, sure. How, do you, how would you summarize that and what are the core elements of that? So essentially, Google's goal with this was to put numbers or metrics onto the user experience. So with the LCP or largest contentful paint, that's essentially how long does it take for the largest element or piece of content on your website to load? Whether it be a video, a photo, an appointment embed, whatever it may be, but Google wants that in two and a half seconds or less. And, I, and that one's a really easy win. Uh, a lot of times, well not necessarily, but a lot of times you'll see people, you know, they have images loading that would look like they're an 8K on an 80 inch television when for a phone, we don't need that large of an image. So you can often use tools to identify what's taking a long time on your site to load, make sure it loads more efficiently, and that'll certainly help with the LCP. But CLS, which is content layout shift, I would say is the one that most people have been really having to put their efforts into. Uh, so essentially what Google wanted here was to avoid, you know, a good example would be if I'm traveling and I'm looking for food and I see a, web, uh, a restaurant that looks interesting. So I go to their website, I see a button that says view menu, and as I go to click it, the rest of the website loads and I end up clicking something else. And that was the layout shift, and that's what Google wants to avoid. Uh, so I think that that is really the, the core vital or metric that most people are probably spending their time addressing. Uh, but either way, that's really, I would say a lot of, you know, if you're really, really into SEO and you're, you're on a micro level, I'm sure all your websites are in compliance here, but uh, for larger agencies or people that maybe don't give quite that level of detail, it's definitely something that Google said, hey, here's something that's important, and if you can get in compliance with there, I think that's a really easy win, especially if you're working with a good developer, it could just take, you know, a day or so. Okay, great. So you covered largest contentful paint there, cumulative layout shift, and also the, f the first input delay as well. How would you summarize that? Right. So the first input delay, uh, and, and let me go back for that CLS, the layout shift, the metric Google stated is they want that layout shift to happen in under 0.1 seconds. So one millisecond. That being said, the FID what that measures is essentially how long when you interact with the website, click on something, whatever it may be, does it take to get a response? And so, so the, a lot of times what people focus on there will be like hosting problems. You know, you'll have somebody that 
pays $3 a month and they don't even know who's hosting their website and you notice that you know, every time I click anything, there's a huge delay because it takes a long time to get that response from the host, uh, which is just one of the problems. But those are the three vitals. And I think that, yeah, getting those in compliance will go a long way. And not only that, it's not something that's, you know, hey, this will help us tomorrow. Google's not going to say, eh, we don't care about these anymore. So getting them in compliance now is setting yourself up for success long term as well, I'd say. Growing stuff. Okay. So obviously that would result in better performance for users, more, um, yes, yeah, a, a, a better user experience. But from an SEO perspective, how do we actually measure the impacts of improving web page performance? Are we able to say that if we increase the page speed loading by X percent, then our rankings will increase by X percent? Well, here's the one thing you can say. If you increase or improve your performance at all, there's no chance that you'll go down because of that. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of it is not more so, you know, if you're if you have a web page that does really well and it competes typically with these four same pages, if you pay attention to these vitals, it's not so much I would say that you're going to jump over them. It's that those that neglect it will fall down. So you by default will climb the rankings, not necessarily you being rewarded for your efforts, but you not being penalized for for ignoring them. Understood. So. Are you saying that all things being equal, i.e. if you have the same number of backlinks, you know, the same kind of age of website and type of content on your website compared with the competitor, but you're doing a better job with website performance, then your website, hands down, will get higher rankings? Most likely, yeah. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it, so you can't necessarily guarantee anything, but I would presume or expect to see positive results uh, for that, absolutely. Okay, okay. Uh, so let's focus on your the performance of your website to get easy wins. Uh, you also say do not neglect content and relevance. What, what do you mean by that? So there's a gentleman, uh, John Mueller. He's considered the Google search liaison for Google. And in August of 21, 2021, he went on Reddit and he, when talking about these core vitals, that was around the time that the, the algorithm update came to make these fact, primary factors. He said, the algorithm, these core vitals are primary ranking factors. They are more than just a tiebreaker. And then he said, but they do not replace relevance. And at the end of the day, while we want to have a good user experience, if there's nothing of value on your site, it doesn't matter how fast it loads or how well it's performing. When I end there, I don't take anything away. So Google, like it's such a cliche thing to say, but content is king. And that's never been more relevant than now. You know, in mid to late 2022, Google announced and then released the next week what was called the helpful content update. And for those of you that have been in SEO for a while, about 10, 10 years prior, the Panda update came out, which completely shifted the way that people within SEO strategize content and basically conduct set optimization and, and try and reach those rankings. And it's been said that this new update, which began in August of 2022, is expected to have the largest impact of any algorithm update since that time. And essentially the goal, and this is, I've always emphasized content, but Google is now saying that it needs to be helpful content, just making pages to make them, you know, which they've said for a long time, this content should be authoritative, this content should be helpful, intended to share and educate. But at the end of the day, what they're doing now, and this is what kind of sets this algorithm update apart, is that it's called a site-wide update. So typically when Google releases a core update or any significant update they announce, if you have a page that's not meeting whatever standards they're now setting, that page will fall in the rankings. 
this new one, the helpful content update, Google has said that if, and they haven't stated the ratio, but if you have an unfavorable ratio of content that's considered unhelpful, your whole site will get penalized. So that's what kind of makes it really dramatic. And I think that with you know, so many people, there's companies out there dedicated to just churning out boilerplate content, essentially. And so Google is really trying to emphasize and reward those that provide valuable and helpful information. So I think that while I say, you know, similar to John Mueller, focus on those core vitals. They're an easy win. You can get all those in compliance in less than a week. And that's something you don't have to worry about. You know, it's going to be a factor for years to come. But you can but that doesn't replace the relevance or the impact of content specifically when Google's now prioritizing the quality of that content. So I think that's super important. Uh, Google actually put out some guidelines along with that in August, kind of stating, you know, here's a checklist. And if you answer yes to some or all of these questions, you may be at risk. And it really focused on, like you said, you know, if, if, the, if the theme of the article is to answer a question, is that clickbait? Does it accurately answer the question? Are you just summarizing other people's content? Or are you providing new, original, thoughtful, helpful ideas? Things of that nature. So I think that that's where, you know, it, it, what it's really trying to, to resolve is people who write content to manipulate and please search engines, essentially. They want it to be written for people, not the algorithm. So diving into the relevance, diving into the category of content, does that mean that um, Google are looking for your website to be a niche specialist and that if you're perhaps ranking for a keyword term that isn't directly related to what you do as a brand, bringing in a reasonable amount of traffic, but that traffic isn't converting, you should actually consider getting rid of that article and perhaps just focusing on very niche specific content moving forwards. Yes, there's several ways to go about it. So one thing a lot of we've done this in the past with clients, and obviously it's it's fortunate that we've done so now, but we'll often go through whether it's using a tool like Screaming Frog to crawl every page or often going through the Google Search Console and just being like, what pages over the last 12 months have generated no or very few clicks? And then looking at those pages and deciding, okay, is this relevant to what we're doing? Is this something we want to be an expert on? And from there, if not, or if this content, Basically, I will have three choices then. Do we want to rewrite and improve this article and try and add value to it? Do we want to get rid of the article altogether and maybe just redirect it to another page? And then another option is you could always add a no index feature. So if you're concerned about, if it's not, this page is not generating traffic, but I still think it's a good page and I'd like it on my website, you could certainly add a no index tag in the source code so that when Google crawls it, they just don't factor that in to the index or anything like that. So those are really the three options, but I do think it is worth going back. I mean, I'm sure some of the people that watch this, you, everybody, we've had clients that have been producing content for over 10 years. So when you go back and you look at blogs written in your 2010, 2011, the style of writing has changed. The intent behind it has changed. A lot of times the information is now outdated. So that's a great opportunity to not just refresh your content, but just try and boost yourself as an authority, you know, uh, for instance, if I'm an attorney client and they have an article that does nothing about new laws in 2016, maybe we should revamp the page and make it current or revamp the page and list new laws by the year up until now and just use that as a landing page with more valuable information. But that is, I think, you know, I've always said content is king, but now, and I've always said write with authority. You want to be the foremost expert on whatever you're writing about. That's never been more true uh, than now in 2023.
You mentioned the style of content. Is there any particular style or structure of content that Google prefers at the moment? Or is it all about just answering the question and it doesn't matter at all the length or style of the article? That is another point. So as I mentioned, Google had that checklist, things to avoid or red flags. And one of them was specifically writing for target like length. And I've always said no. My mindset of all, has always been longer is better from the standpoint of we're trying to be the expert on this. So we want more information than any of the other pages out there provide. We want to be the source of information. So from that standpoint, I've always said it's better to be longer because you don't you want to leave no stone unturned. But at the same time, we're not going to go and if you want to rank for you know keyword A, see who's ranking in the top five and take an average word count and target that. The goal is not like again that would simply be writing for search engines, which Google does not want. You just want to write for what is the question or topic you're writing about. Can you explain it to the best of your ability in 100 words or do you need 2,000 words? But whichever it is, that's the goal, is to be the, the foremost source of information on that. You don't want, and Google also said, you know, do these articles that when, when someone's on a piece of your content, do they leave to go find out more information? That's another kind of check or ding. So that's why I've always said, you know, even if you think it's minuscule information, one person might look for it and then you're at the top there and it's relevant traffic. But more so, we just want to make sure that all of our content is valuable and doesn't leave people wanting more. We have everything you need right there. You mentioned keywords. I'm presuming that you still target keywords. If so, how do you select which keywords to target? So a lot of it is client dependent, obviously, you know. Um, so, for instance, you may get a client that produces Wagyu beef, we'll say. And of course, they want to rank number one for Wagyu beef, which is the most broad competitive term in their market. So I'll certainly go through that. What I'll also do is just whether it's speaking to the client and saying, you know, what other search terms or industries or kind of audience would you like to attract? And then doing research to pull kind of longer, more specific keywords related to Wagyu beef from there. Another thing I'll do is I'll, I'll search Wagyu beef and I'll go through and I'll look at who's ranking the highest. And obviously, we, it'll take some time to rank for Wagyu beef, but I want to know what other terms are they ranking for? Are there very specific questions like, what is marbled beef? Okay, that's a much more specific question, but we can much more likely in a shorter amount of time rank number one for that. And as we do so, that kind of snowball effects where we want to, if at the top of this tree per se is Wagyu beef, we want to get all the low hanging fruit. So that kind of builds us up as this authority and leads us to the top of that tree. That's kind of the goal. So when I'm picking keywords to target, a lot of it's based on just kind of what does the client want? But then from there, I'll do my own research and see, you know, what kind of questions are people asking? What are some of those uh, less frequently searched terms that we can likely capture the first spot, the featured snippet, something like that, and continue to generate relevant traffic? So you've shared what SEOs should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEOs shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? So something came to my attention, and I don't think it's terribly new, but I found out about it probably beginning of 2022. And so as I mentioned, people now are going to have a huge focus on content, but producing the content is one of the most time-consuming things there are, especially if you don't want to pay for a content writer. I'm a dentist. I want to have a really good page on root canals. I spend all day being a dentist. I don't necessarily want to sit down and bury myself in this blog now. But at the same time, from that standpoint, I was introduced to a tool, and there's numerous ones of them. Where, for instance, I could copy and I could find the best page on this case in root canals out there, the most informative page, copy the entire text. And then there's AI tools 
um, where you can put them in and you can choose how it's rewritten. Do you want it just the standard language? Do you want it to be more creative? Do you want to focus on the fluency? And it will rewrite the entire thing as if it's original. And then you can copy that into a plagiarism checker. And if you don't get it, if, you know, maybe you'll say 3% plagiarize. You changed a couple sentences or it says nothing. And now you have a whole page that you didn't write that was essentially manipulated by AI. So that's some, that's like one of my biggest things I would avoid. It's so tempting because I can save hours and hours by taking this, having it jumbled up to be its own original thing. But in reality, it's all the same. You're not adding any new information. You're just rephrasing everything. But it's so tempting because, hey, I'm not going to get dinged for plagiarism, it would appear, and, or duplicate content. And it just took me three minutes to make something that would have taken me three, four hours prior. So that's super tempting, but Google's not stupid. And every single day, their algorithm is improving. And their algorithm relies on AI. And as that gets more sophisticated, it's going to pick up on trends and patterns that are created by these, this kind of artificial rewriting software. So I think it's super tempting, especially if you have like a lot of repetitive pages, things like that. But at the same time, the risk is way too high, you know, especially now where before the biggest risk you had was the page doesn't perform well. That was the biggest risk you really ran uh, unless you straight copied it and then you got dinged for that. Now you run a much larger risk where this page is deemed as not adding anything valuable. It's considered an unhelpful page and due to changes in the algorithm, your whole site is falling in the rankings now. So while it is tempting, it's one of those like black hat, black hat things where you might see good success over a short period of time, but it's a, there's no way it can pay long-term dividends. It's just, it's going to backfire. And like I said, it's so tempting from a time and, and, and convenience standpoint, but at the end of the day, all of that time you saved, you're going to get back in full stress worrying about it after the website gets penalized. I think we need to have an up and coming majestic panel discussion on the pros and cons of automating the content generation. It's spectacular. I mean, the stuff is great. They do a great job, but at the end of the day, the whole purpose behind it, unless you're writing a paper for school and you're just boom, boom, you know, no one's going to really know then. <laughs> but the whole point behind it is you're trying to manipulate search engines. And that is the number one thing these new updates Google has started putting out in 22 are trying to avoid and, and capture and prevent. So at the end of the day, it may work today, it may work tomorrow, but eventually there's no way it doesn't catch up with those that are doing it. And I would imagine there'll be significant consequences. Taylor Kurtz is owner of Crush the Rankings, and you can find him over at crushtherankings.com. Taylor, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com.